That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Let's talk about some Bible. Just two weary priests slogging it out in the trenches of ministry, mm-hmm. taking time for you, dear listener, That's right. to help you with whatever you face, to help you folks who are preachers. That small slice of our of our of our busy lives just for you. <laughs> Living sacrifices is what we are. Poured out, much like Saint Paul will describe his own life. As libations. That's what poured this out is like all about. a libation. We are a libation. Me and my squeaky chair. If they were to chair. pour you out, Jake, what would the libation be? Mmm. Ah, gosh, it might be a grim, juicy IPA. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, have you ever had a grim juicy IPA? No, I haven't. I swear they're made bit. by they're made by angels. And so Are they the, delicious? It's delicious. I'll, God. I'll 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 choose I'll be um purple Mountain Dew. Ooh, and well you are in Texas. So <laughs> I just wanted to pick drink like, of choice and wake up. <laughs> the nastiest. <laughs> Anyways, St. Albans, however, by the way, Big Red Soda, the uh, family that was involved with that was a big part of uh, St. Albans. So we still really? have, we only have one soda vending machine on campus, and it's probably from like 1973. Still works, takes two quarters, and uh, it's a Big Red vending machine. Do people, uh, do people swing by and uh, fill it up? Uh, nope. Uh, oh, like, do, like the, does the company come restock yeah. it? Yeah. You know... I stopped, I just, as I'm saying this, I'm like, you know, before the pandemic, yes, but now I don't know. I should probably look that into should that. should definitely be on the top of your next vestry meeting. So, um. That's right. All right. It's tomorrow night. We're moving it up on the agenda. The status mm. of the big red vending machine. All right. Enough tomfoolery. We got things to do. We got decisions to make. Stewardship seasons to run. Uh churches to oversee as do many of our listeners so we're glad to be helping you as you get ready to preach for this uh this sunday which is going to be the 20th sunday after pentecost you've got Mm -hmm. basically a month until you hit thanksgiving and then christ the king so we're like you know wrapping up the the church year and we're going to be looking today at a reading from jeremiah 14 we're on track two of the readings so we're not going to be talking about Joel, so if you want to do that, you're on your own. And if you uh, are an Anglo-Catholic and you think that it's appropriate to read from Sirach in the service, one, you're wrong, two, you're on your own. So we're going to be reading from Jeremiah, which is a longer passage, uh, and then we're going to do Second Timothy, the end of the book, the end of the letter, and then a little snippet, a beautiful little snippet from Luke 18. And we'll try to move through these readings quickly because you're probably all going to preach on Luke anyways. Who are we kidding? <laughs> yeah. But that's just a lob. So it's a lob. <laughs> but yeah, Luke is like easy, nice and easy, over the plate, just hit it out of the park. Um, but if you were moved by the Spirit of the Lord to preach on Jeremiah, there's some really beautiful stuff here. This is yeah, Jeremiah 14, verses 7, 10, 19, 22. 
7 through 10, and 19 through 22. And this is a conversation. It's a back and forth. Uh, we're listening to both sides of the phone call. And on one end, we have Israel saying, man, we know that we've totally messed up. We know that we've been cheating on you, sleeping around. We know that we said we deleted Tinder, but we really kept the app on our phone. And we have been talking to Dagesh and or all these other gods. We're really sorry. Um, please, please, please come back to me. Baby, come back. And the Lord's like, nope, even I have my limits. And they're like, no, seriously, please come back. Please, please. And like, nope, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I'm not coming back. And, and we don't get the end in, in this passage. So, Jacobus, have at it. How would you preach this uh, passage from Jeremiah 14? Well, I do think, I mean, I thought that that is a beautiful reference. And I just couldn't help when you were talking there. What, think baby back come to back? That, baby well, yeah, come well, back. Yeah, or the, uh, the 1993 hit song, or was it 94 hit song by Take That, uh, Want mm. You Back for Good. Um, I want you, know, you back. Whatever, I want you I back. I want you back. I want you back. And that was Robbie, what's his name? Robbie Williams, I think. Yeah, was Robbie the, Williams. He was a British yeah. boy band, and Robbie Williams had an amazing solo career. I continue to be a big fan. But I am too, continue. actually. I wanted Angels played at my wedding, but the rector said no. So anyway, <laughs> so but um, I would say that uh, <laughs> Angels. Just picturing it. So anyway, but um, I'm <laughs> a little cheeky today. So anyway, but uh, I, I um, I think that uh, you know, this this is really this is the cry of a person who's at the end of their rope. Um, this is uh, what real repentance looks like. Um, and uh, there is no answer from God. This is um, right before a person goes to a 12-step meeting, you know. Um, and, uh, but there's a powerful thing um, that they recognize in the midst of all of these questions. Why have you struck us down so that there's no healing for us, you know. There is a, yet you, O Lord, are in the midst of us, and we are called by your name. Do not forsake us. Uh, they cry out to this great promise, and that cry is the cry of faith. Um, that is the one that believes that God is uh, present and saving, uh, despite all evidence to the contrary. And, uh, and indeed, uh, this is ultimately um, uh, fulfilled and finds its fulfillment in Jesus. Um, so, you know, that's, that's how I would hit it. What would you say? Well, I think, one, I love the images for God. Again, the mm. Old Testament and Scripture in general, is the prayers are so much more honest than we usually pray. There's no Father God. There's no Dear Baby Jesus. Yeah. It's, God, why are you like a, a, a warrior who can't do anything? Why are you like a confused person stumbling around? Uh, mm. Why are you like a stranger? Basically, it's this... Uh, anger, confusion, feeling rejected, feeling distant, and yet still crying out for God. And also at the same time, nobody said Christians ever have to be emotionally consistent. Like while they are saying, God, where are you? While they're saying, you promised that we are your people forever. They are also acknowledging their great apostasies, their great sin, that they are wicked and it goes way I, back the iniquity of our ancestors so it's it's like it's totally my fault i totally get it we were wrong we're sorry and yet you've deserted us and you promised you were going to stick by us so it's a little it's it, it sounds almost hypocritical but this is the human condition to be like yeah. i have i have messed up my own life will you please rescue me god and thankfully well, that, god that's has the cry of a child you know that's the yeah, cry of a absolutely. child you know 
I didn't do my homework last night, you know, get up at five in the morning and sit and do it with me, you know, and, um, and I, you're absolutely right. And this isn't a, uh, and, you know, and I think this is the powerful thing. And I, I think pastorally, this is where a lot of people misunderstand grace and the power of the gospel. Grace is not, hey, I'm okay, you're okay. You know what I mean? Grace isn't uh, just kind of like, hey, do whatever you want. Uh, grace recognizes the human condition, and just not the human condition of me, but the human condition I've inherited. I love this. We acknowledge our wickedness, O Lord, the iniquity of our ancestors. Yeah. Uh, for we've sinned. Like this is something that um, this is a this is a mark that goes with us, and um, but yet indeed uh, the covenant uh, that He's made with them, and it's not the covenant of Moses that was a two-way street. Uh, but the covenant uh, that was made with Abraham that comes by faith and credits his righteousness, um, that's the one that they're appealing to. And, and uh, I, that's the one that's everlasting. And I love how in this, this passage, there's no pretense on behalf of Israel, like that there's, there's still some good that we've done that we deserve anything. Yeah, It's all, please save us for your name's sake not because we've done anything do not dishonor your glorious throne um not like protect our glory too or it's it's again it's all about you and at the end we set our hope on you not mostly you or 90 percent you 10 percent us it's all on you it, they've come to the end of themselves and they've also realized that idols do nothing can the idols of the nation bring rain or the you know it's We've been. We know that we've been going down a path that can't give us anything. We are totally dependent on you, and this is the place where God can, can begin to work. And by the way, the reason this passage is included and does tie into the gospel reading, and why you can preach both together, despite my flippant remark at the top of the program, is that this is the prayer, in a sense, of the tax collector um, in the synagogue. Yeah. This is the prayer of somebody who realizes she or he has not a leg to stand on and is totally. Um, in need of God's mercy. Their only hope is the Lord. And that is a very good place to be because that's when, as as John Zoll has said, God's office is at the end of your rope and now you're at a place where he can help you. Mm. So, having dispensed with Jeremiah, we can now move on to Second mm-hmm. Timothy, which is where Paul is ending this letter to his protege, his Padawan, and is finishing out talking about getting a little reflective of his own life. He's saying, the time of my departure has come. I'm being poured out as a libation, as that grim IPA that Jake talked about. I'm, uh, I'm, my work is done. And uh, there's something here, I think, um, where he's reflecting on his life. He says, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but it all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. Nice. Paul, very nice. Uh, but just realizing through the ups and downs of life and pe- some people standing by him, some people deserting him, no matter what, the Lord stood by me and gave me strength. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 definitely um, a reflective passage, end of life. I'm not feeling like if I were preaching this, I'd know exactly what to say. Um, other than I would say avoid the temptation to say, fight the, be like Paul and fight the good fight. 
Be like Paul and finish the race. Be like Paul and keep the faith. Don't make this into a prescription of what you need to do because Paul never relied on his own efforts. Paul knew that he himself was flawed and Paul always said that he was the chief of sinners. So don't take this out of context and think that Paul was some sort of perfect Christian that now gets the crown of righteousness as some sort of reward. That crown of righteousness is the crown of Jesus' righteousness which is given to him and uh, it's because of what... What it's Paul's faith in what Christ has done for him, not Paul's yeah. own works. If you were going to preach this passage, I think there's like basically a couple of points you want to hit on, and that is first of all, um, uh, uh, a faithful life uh, doesn't necessarily mean an easy life. That's the first thing you'd probably want to talk about. So, like you know, I mean, Paul has clearly had a tough time here. He's been abandoned, and he's articulating that. Um, and the second thing is that you, that you'd want to hit on is absolutely right. Uh, this isn't um, a prescription of things for you to do, you know, and um, um, and uh, and that also maybe another thing you want to say is that like a faithful life um, um, may not look like an easy life, but it, it can look like a forgiving life, mm. and uh, you know, as he forgives these people who all deserted him, um, yeah. but ultimately. Um, a faithful life is 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 the result not of uh, Paul like gritting his teeth and seeing through, but uh, because of the faithfulness of God to him and to you. If you notice, it's all about what the the Lord stood by me and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed to Gentiles. You know, the Lord will rescue me. Um, you know, and uh, not only from the lion's mouth in the past, but from every evil attack. And uh, the Lord ultimately will, uh, because of his faithfulness, uh, uh, rescues Paul and you and I from death itself. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And that's really, I mean, that's the big idea. To him, to God be the glory forever and ever. Yeah. And I love that Paul says, from now on there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord will give me on that day. So it's a gift. It's not something he takes. It is a gift. It's not wages that he's earned. It's a gift. And he's looking forward to that being given to him as a gift. And he says, to all who've longed for Jesus's appearing. So the Christian stance mostly is one of longing, not not having already received or being already Mm -hmm. perfected. The Christian life is one of longing. So we're longing for the end. And we are given this, this crown as a gift. I can't help but think about that amazing picture of a... That famous painting of Napoleon being crowned as emperor. Do you remember that? Yeah, where he grabs he's, it. He's grabbing. Um, he's grabbing uh, the the crown from um, the Pope and putting it on his own head. And um, and uh, that is kind of oftentimes, uh, you know, when it's all about like be like Paul, be like finish the race, you know, keep the faith, uh, you know. Well, then there that that fosters within us a sense of that kind of short man complex, that Napoleon complex that we've got to grab the crown as well. And no, this is all gift. This is all about the faithfulness of God who places that crown upon our head um, because uh, he's faithful to us and he loves us. Yeah. Uh, And I think, by the way, the part that is skipped here is, um, you know, if you, it is good to always read the verses that are omitted. This is, Paul talking about disappointment he's he's experienced in ministry. He names some people. He he name checks them forever of being dead. How'd you like to be name checked in the Bible forever? Yeah, Demas because he loved this world has deserted me and gone Demas, to Thessalonica. Man. Dude, Demas, it's real tragedy there. That guy. What happened? 
Oh man, if you read, I forget where else he's mentioned. He's mentioned two other times in the epistles. Look it up, everybody. But the first time is like, and my beloved Demas, who's like my best friend in the whole world, and Luke. And then it's like, and then remember Luke, my wonderful companion, and Demas. And then this one right here, he's like, Demas, who I've turned over to the devil. (laughs) And so... (laughs) Yeah, and and he uh, says, Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Dalmatia hanging on the Adriatic coast. Have fun, Mm -hmm. Titus. And then only Luke is with me, basically. So he's like, he's alone. He's experienced disappointment in ministry. So again, it's always comforting to know that you are not alone and feeling like people have let you down because Paul has experienced that as well. Um, Mm. And also he's like, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of of harm, you know. Uh, (laughs) He's like totally uh, throwing shade. This is like some major beef. Paul was a human. Like like, uh, tweeting or uh, putting them in the there's some there's some people that sometimes say negative things online about other people and this feels like that but uh you're right he says may it not be held against them and he's he's recognizing that god is the one that will take care of everything so moving on luke uh we get this famous famous parable of the it's very short it's it's about two men a pharisee and a tax collector who go to the mm-hmm. temple to pray and the Pharisee says, thank Can you I- that I'm not like those other deadbeats. Yeah, go ahead, Jake. Oh, no, no, go ahead. You finish up. You're doing great. No, just, yeah. I was going to say what happens, you know, the little kind of cliff notes here. Yeah. Pharisee says, uh, thank you that I'm not like those trashy people, those long-haired freaky people who need not apply. Those thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. You can almost imagine him like looking over his shoulder real quickly. Yeah. At him, and then uh, he names his major accomplishments. I fast not once but twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. You and I know, Lord, that nobody does that. And uh, then, but the tax collector doesn't even. He's standing far off. He won't even. He's sitting in the back pew. He says he won't even look up to heaven, and he's just beating his breast, saying, "God, be merciful to me, a sinner." And Jesus scandalously says that that man, the tax collector is the one who went home justified, loved, accepted, saved by God, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts themselves will be humbled, and everyone who humbles themselves will be exalted. Boom. Gospel. This is that lob, Jake. So, bring yeah, it well, home. It's very interesting that this text typically apply, uh, uh, falls around October in the middle of our stewardship seasons, you know? Yeah. And... Um, um, uh, and the truth is, is that every rector or minister listening to this show uh, would much rather have a Pharisee in their congregation than a tax collector. I mean, we, we paint these people up as like these bad, I don't want to be a Pharisee, don't want to be a Pharisee. Do you remember that song? I want to be a sheep. So, nope. but like, yeah. We didn't go to church much when I was a kid, though. So, but the truth is, is that like... The Pharisees, I mean, these people were good people, like on one level. They were doing, they were really doing it for the Lord. And you think about, like, I mean, who Jesus is hanging out with, tax collectors and and prostitutes and all sorts of folks. And they're like, what are you doing? What about the children? You know, but the truth is, is we would want every one of these single people, but in our church. But but here's the issue. And I think what Jesus is really getting at is that, and Luther once said this, and I've probably said it a couple times on this show because I love it. It's one of my favorite Luther quotes. But piety is the devil's whore. You know, um, what, ha- what what you hear in the, uh, the Pharisee's prayer is a litany of self-justification. You know, um, you hear, and, and what God is uh, not so much interested is, like, in... in 
the, the problem is, is that we get, we get so defined by what we do as opposed to what's been done to us. And so going back to Jeremiah, you know, this tax collector, I mean, all he has, all he has is, uh, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, that is a, con what, you know, what, what, what's the Lord really want? Well, he wants a contrite heart. Um, you know, he wants the um, outside, he wants the inside to match the outside, not just something like the inside that's disconnected, the outside that's disconnected from the, uh, the inside. And so, um, or whatever, the disconnected from the outside, something I got mixed up. But anyway, it's the end of the day. But that's the real issue. But the problem, the way this text is typically preached, and it's a real problem, is that, um, we tend to be like so be like the be like the tax collector and you're like that is like terrible terrible uh um that's a terrible word and so um you don't want to be like a tax collector ever um the the real thing and, and what happens is is that we wind up turning the tax collector into the pharisee uh, this is uh, robert Farrah capen's great point when he's commenting on this parable is that we wind up turning the tax collector into the pharisee but the real question we might want to ponder is is what if the tax collector left the temple in that very moment walked outside and shook someone down for taxes uh does that um does that change uh jesus's statement he's gonna claw back the mercy yeah that's uh, many people think that the, the clawback. This is the idea like if you're a bad CEO and you get paid a lot of money and then they find out later you you know you overstated earnings or something. Now they'll claw back their bonus they gave you. And many people do think God has a mercy clawback uh, policy, but the fact of the matter is Jesus Christ Himself said, when someone sins against you, you be like your Father in heaven, forgive them seventy times seven times. Like keep like basically there's no there's no limit and which is again it adds even more scandal to this passage that that's mm. the what the mercy of god is like um it says he went down to his home justified mm -hmm. it doesn't say now i want to be careful here people are going to hear me as an antinomian it doesn't say he then quit tax collecting and Join sure the staff didn't. of a humanitarian organization, <laughs> and um, uh, nowhere does it say that. Went on a marriage retreat with his wife and got <laughs> anger management classes. It doesn't say any of that. It says he said, "I'm sorry, I'm a sinner," just like people said in Jeremiah. And we learn about God that He is the one who is merciful to sinners always. He's never. Amen. It's not like He's merciful to a sinner for like the first fifty years of your life, and then it's all law at that point. It's, he's, he always um, will exalt the humble. He'll always have mercy on the sinner. And so he goes home justified. There's no, Jesus intentionally tells a story with no visible sign of repentance or sanctification, because that's the point. You get forgiveness before you've done anything, and anything you do after that does not change the forgiveness. You're in like Flynn, as they used to say. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, that's not well, what anybody wants to hear who's an overachiever or who's a Pharisee. Mm. But and it is... We need Pharisees. We need lots of them in the pledge campaign. Please um, tithe. Know, please, please <laughs> tithe a tenth of all your income, even your cumin. Pinch that and put it in the plate. Cumin please. and the dill and the tarragon. Yeah, and, yeah. The whole the thing, mint. man. 
um, I would appreciate it. But uh, the point is, is that oftentimes, not oftentimes, all of the time, our piety blinds us into exalting ourselves. See, God, I'm just like you, you know, but... um, uh, but but the real human condition. I remember, uh, you know, it's been, you know, everybody's talking about the God-shaped hole in their heart, and uh, someone once told me the only thing in my heart is cholesterol and sin, and uh, you know, what I mean, and that's like the truth. Uh, our hearts are are crazy, shriveled uh, tin cans, and a loving Savior comes along, and it's you know, and people giving their hearts to Jesus as if that's ever been a gift to give Him. But rather, instead, a loving Savior um, sees our hearts and He hears them cry, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And they, He gathers that tin, come up, tin can up and, and makes it worth something worth loving. And uh, that's the good news of the gospel. And right, don't ever assume that tax collector did anything else but go out and collect taxes. And that's why when you hear this and when you preach this, you can know that um, the the... It gives you, as the preacher, and anyone who hears this, it gives them permission to not beat themselves up all the time anymore. Mm. So it gives them permission to not put themselves back under the law. Uh, because so many times we, we feel like, oh, I did a bad thing. Uh, God has clawed back his forgiveness. And now I have to start at ground zero again. Back to start back to the beginning. And what I love about this is it says the man has been justified. And so when we fail, when we uh, fall back into our evil ways or whatever the case may be, we can uh, come back again to simply this place of repentance and remember God is the one who has mercy on a sinner. And that's what it means to to, um, keep the faith, as Paul says in, in Timothy. Keeping the faith means trusting again and again in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that the, the one who died and rose again and and resting in that so give yourself permission to live in the gospel or as jake says enjoy your forgiveness and until next time uh do whatever i don't know what i was gonna say i was trying to think of something witty something until clever. next time just continue to 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 have, have the cry of the tax collector, God be merciful to me, a sinner. There you go. Thank and you. Hear the words, and, and hear the words of Jesus saying, you're justified. Not by anything show. you've done, but you're justified. And uh, in me, you'll get that crown. Yep. And there you go. I was at a loss for words. First time ever for a preacher. I know. All it's right. hard to believe. See you next week. <laughs>